Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you're in charge. And Lord, that you keep us. And Lord, that even when you bring adverse circumstances into our life, we can know that you are still working. We thank you for answers to prayer. We thank you for protecting us and giving travel mercies. And Lord, working not only here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church, but expanding our ministry to other churches as well. Lord, we thank you and praise you for just holding off the rain and allowing people to be faithful out passing out tracts. And Lord, help us to keep the joy of our salvation before a world in which we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To go ye kids, to go ye. The rest of us, let's just turn to a jumping off point in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 11. And uh, we are closing in the last month of that Bible reading schedule. Um, how many of you have kept up? Don't, don't raise your hands. Just think, I kept up with that Bible reading schedule all year long. Uh, that is a good thing. That's a good goal. And uh, we, I think we have the new ones ordered for next year. Okay, already in. And so we'll be giving you a Christmas present. A new Bible reading schedule. And uh, we want you to, you know, at, at one time we did have some attitude and things. And people said, oh, that's just so, so much. Uh, no, that, that's not. If, if that's so much, you need to check on what kind of faith you have. You really do. You, you need to read your Bible. You need to spend some time with the Lord that if... If you want your, you do not have to just follow the church calendar. There are many other, uh, uh, Bible reading schedules that you can get on, but, uh, uh, don't go to the internet. Uh, just, uh, and if, don't believe in the five minute or the 15 minute Bible. Uh, that, that is absurd. Uh, certainly God Deserves a little more than 15 minutes a day. Could we say amen to that? And uh, we we need to be careful about that. And as we look at Proverbs chapter 11, uh, just a verse, you probably have this memorized even by accident. It's one of those verses that we we quote a lot. It says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he... That when his souls is wise, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. But he that when his souls is wise. You know, the uh, thing that we need to understand about God and the God of the Bible, in him is life. In him is Light. Amen. There is no shadow of turning with the Lord. There is nothing about God that is not good. We would have people who would argue uh, about the goodness of God. And of course, one of the places they just love to go is the Old Testament. And they said, God said to kill all those people. How can God be good? You know, here's what you do if somebody ever asks you that question. Okay, then you tell me who's good. Are the Democrats good? 
The Democrats are responsible for murdering more babies in America in the last, since 1973 than we could even begin to think about ever lived in the land of Palestine. If people want to get that way, it, it's not wrong to dish a little back. Be kind. But, you know, we do not pretend to understand everything in the Bible. And if you're going to ask questions that try and attempt to assassinate the character of God, I, I want you to know where you're going there. You see, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Do you realize that when you got saved, according to John chapter 10, Jesus gave you eternal life. It's inside of you. It's living in you. And if that righteousness that God has put in us, the gospel saves us. The gospel is what makes us righteous. It's the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. That's where our sins were paid for. God brings us life. And if we understand what Solomon actually was trying to say here, is that life begets life. Amen? Uh, we've had quite a bit of uh, interaction here with uh, uh, different pastors have told me stories about the Calvinist and Stephen Anderson and just some of these other parasites uh, that are out there. Uh, and if, if you're not careful, it will steal the best parts of what God wants us to have as a Christian. You know what? Calvinists don't win souls. Calvinists do not uh, bring the gospel. They do not bring life. I mean, what hope is there in a message? And, and by the way, there's an awful lot that goes on under the name of Calvinism that isn't Calvinism. Uh, the real Calvinists, the Reformed Church, this was, oh, ten years ago at least, they had a meeting of all of their great minds in, in Europe and... They, they begin to contemplate these doctrines that they have held since the days of John Calvin in the 1530s. I mean, that's, that's pretty old. 1530s is pretty old. But the teachings of Jesus predate that by only 1,500 years. Amen? And so Calvin is pretty old, but Jesus is quite a bit older. And they decided and came to the conclusion that... Uh, uh, the P of the tulip is that you, perseverance of the saints, you can't lose your salvation. But see, the I of the tulip is irresistible grace, which means God is the one that saves you without your permission, without your knowledge. Uh, unconditional election that you, uh, you are chosen by God without any part of you having a choice in that. And so, you cannot lose the salvation that you cannot know whether you have or not. I'm, I'm not making this up. This, this is where they go. And, and 
uh, you say, well, what is that? Well, my mother had a name for it. She just called it stupid. Uh, but I'll tell you what we call it. We call it circular reasoning. Because when you allow the logic of man to define faith in God, you can't help but end up in a place that does not produce life. The Calvinists, they don't build things. The, um, is anybody familiar with the term G-A-R-B-C? That is the General Association of Regular Baptists. You study their history, it goes back here. And they, they were very big. Their headquarters used to be in Binghamton, New York. They had a college there. And uh, the General Association of Regular Baptists broke off of the American, or at that time it was called the Northern Baptist Convention, because after the Civil War, if you'll remember your history, the American Baptist Convention felt personally responsible for bringing about the uh, emancipation of the slaves. And there was a lot of truth to that. Many of the main movers in, in the Civil War, you had uh, um, Lyman Beecher and, and preachers in Boston, and uh, some of these and some of the most famous were Baptists. Uh, you had um, the college in uh, Michigan, uh, there that they advertise, um, oh, in Primus is their thing, what, uh, huh? R- Hillsdale, that's it. Uh, the first college in the United States that allowed women and blacks to attend as their students. It was a missionary Baptist college. It does not recognize those roots today. It's a secular liberal arts college, but, but its roots were in, in the Bible and Yet, here's what they did. They substituted the gospel. They took the gospel out. And they put in social reforms. And they died. The GARBC said, we're not going to do that. And they came out and stood. They were some of the first people to use the term fundamentalist. And and preach the gospel. But I'll tell you what. Calvinism back in the 80s when I was in Bible college got into most of the GARBC schools and they stopped winning souls. They stopped reaching people. And and you can say what you will. I've had people argue, well, I'm as evangelistic as you are. Okay, well then why don't you just go out and bring some people into the church. Amen. And what I want to challenge us with is this. If we're going to be wise, instead of cursing the darkness, we live in a a world full of darkness, do we not? How many of you ever get frustrated with what goes on in our country and in our city? I mean, it just gets crazier and crazier, doesn't it? Well, here's the thing. Take all of that angst that you can work up. And go out and tell somebody about Jesus. That is the wise way to handle things. You know, we tried this year. Uh, 
I'm not going to say it was a complete failure because it was not. We did have people get saved during the year and some people added to our church. It will never be as many people as we want. You know that? If we had a hundred people get saved, would that be enough? No, it wouldn't. Uh, but we didn't get anywhere near that. So there's room for improvement. Amen? And so... Here's what we need to understand, that if we're going to bear fruit, the fruit of righteousness, we're going to have to tell people about Jesus. And we're just going to have to keep telling people that the the number of people that live in our society that will listen to the gospel is continually on the decline. I can't remember who I was having a conversation about our millennials and how that they just absolutely refuse to even have dialogue about the gospel. But if you want to understand something, there's a lot of things millennials refuse to have dialogue about. One of them's called work. Uh, one of them's called effort, expenditure of effort. Uh, there, there's a lot. Don't just get upset at the millennials. What we have to do is we have to keep giving the gospel. You know, one of these days, just as it has in every generation, all the flower children of the 60s, they had Woodstock and they had pot and they had uh, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and all kinds of other bugs. Uh, and, and I mean, they had all of these things, but I'll tell you what, they grew up, didn't they? And a lot of them found out there wasn't much to life. Do you know what the two number one causes of death today in America between the ages of 24 and 50 are? Suicide and drug overdose. They just came out with that. Uh, statistic just last week, heard it on the radio. You know what we're going to do if we're going to be wise? We're going to be looking for opportunities. We're going to be praying for opportunities to share the gospel. Because that's the only answer. How could you commit suicide if you know that Jesus has saved you? And He's taken away your sins. And He's dealt with every problem that you face. And why would you want drugs if you have the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? This is the answer. So let's just look at a few more verses here. I promise I won't be too long tonight. But we we just need to to grab a hold of this. Matthew chapter 4, if you would. Matthew chapter 4, and Jesus is calling his disciples, and uh, we're going to, verse 18, well, let's, let's get verse 17 as well. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, 
follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Here's what Jesus said. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Could I, could I challenge you? And, and this is someone who has spent a great deal of effort and a great deal of my life fixing buildings and getting buildings and trying to keep churches from closing down and all. But if we ever forget our main business is telling people about Jesus, we're in trouble. If you are depressed, if you are just... Uh, overwhelmed with circumstance. How many of you had got uh, went out this afternoon and saw the smiles on people's face when you said a Christmas track? And you said, Merry Christmas. Hello? It works, doesn't it? And that's one of the reasons why I'm not going to give up on Christmas season. I, I like Christmas. I hope you do. Uh, I like giving presents. I like getting presents too. It's just fun. And why can't we, as God's people, enjoy Christmas? Do you know, but the best way to enjoy Christmas is take somebody with you to heaven. Help somebody get off the road of God's judgment and on to the road of God's blessing. You know what? If we didn't have a place to meet, how, how do you like the candles and the, the poinsettias? And I mean, it just changes the attitude. And, and I love the new wreath that Andrew got for us last year. It comes apart in three, uh, three pieces, goes into a box. We get it out next year, five minutes. It's all set up. Crank it up, zip tie it in place, and we're all done. Man, I love this thing. Uh, it used to be we had to buy the pine roping at Home Depot and zip tie that on, and then we'd zip tie the lights to the zip ties and then try to plug it all in without getting electrocuted. And boy, I like this new thing. And, and it takes a lot less time. But uh, have we, we haven't finished off the second box yet, right? We're about two-thirds of the way through the last time I checked. When we finish this second box, we'll be halfway through 10,000 tracks. Now, we've still got a long ways. I mean, it's uh, 23 days to Christmas. I think we can get rid of the rest of those tracks before Christmas, don't you? And here's the purpose in the track. Try to be careful that you do not... Use the track as an excuse. A track is a tool. I've had people say, well, what, what is this? I say, well, this is an invitation to visit our church service. 
Oh, okay, when is the service? Well, you can just open it up, and right there's the picture of the building and all the service times. We have a special Christmas Eve service. Uh, I remember talking to somebody just uh, yesterday or day before something, and uh, and uh, they said, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I need to... Oh, yeah, it was Brett and I were out Saturday morning just a little bit, and a fellow that I think he's been to church maybe three times in 20 years that we've known him. His son used to come all the time when he was a little kid. Now he's grown up. The guy's 6'3", something like that. And uh, But I said, you need to be there on Christmas Eve. He says, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. Now, I'm not holding my breath, but you pray. Amen? And ask God, how many of you would be willing tonight, as we, we have an invitation in just a few minutes here, how many of you are, would be willing to pray and say, God, will you help me at least present the gospel to one person between now and Christmas? I mean, is that asking too much? I don't think so. I I think God would answer that prayer. But we've got to make ourselves willing. Not everybody wants to hear. And by the way, don't smile out loud outside. But when you just absolutely run into one of those Ebenezer Scrooge and just or one of those millennials that just hates Christmas and hates everything and you just ruin their day. Uh, you can come home and say, thank you, Lord. Uh, you can enjoy that. I mean, those people need to be messed up just a little bit. Uh, they need to understand. This is the one thing I don't get about people who won't celebrate Christmas. I've never met anybody who was happy about it. I, I've met an awful lot of people who are just... Uh, Wound up, tied up in knots, whatever uh, phraseology you want to use. But do you realize that our main business is Open Door Bible Baptist Church? The reason we support missions is because missionaries are going to take the gospel places we can't go. Amen? And I, I hope you're praying about what God wants you to do in the coming year for the cause of missions. The ultimate expression of your faith in Jesus Christ is this. To get somebody else to go to heaven with you. Isn't that true? See, this is one of the things I have a problem with. All of these people, they want to sit around and they want to intellectualize. They want to philosophize. They want to compare. They want to do all of this. And, hey... You know what we need to do? We need to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. That's what we need to do. Amen? And uh, I want us to just turn to John chapter 4 here. And, and I'm not going to preach a whole other sermon here, but I just want us to evaluate that statement that the ultimate expression of our faith in Jesus Christ. And, and by the way... Uh, and I'm not claiming to be the best one at this. Is if if we're not if we're not careful, our expression of faith in Jesus Christ, the world looks at us and says, "Is that all it is? 
They're not very excited. They're not very happy about that thing. Uh, we, we need to allow God to give us the joy. This is the story, of course, of the woman at the well. And verse 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all the things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Now, just take a moment here. Why had the woman come to the well? She was coming to get water. Amen? Uh, people have said that coming at the center of the day, the height of the day at noon, was part of her shame and part of her not fitting in society. She didn't like to be... Uh, necessarily talked about in a little Samaritan town. She had married five different men and was living with another one. I mean, this uh, move over Elizabeth Taylor, uh, the woman at the well, uh, had she had nothing on her. And so this was a woman whose life was not what we would call pleasant or right. And yet she met Jesus. Jesus did not cut any slack to her sin now, did he? He called it as it was. And he hit on the main part. Verse 22, Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. The message is that Jesus is the only way. I hope you understood the sermon this morning. We do not preach Jesus because He is the best. We preach Jesus because He is the only option for sin. Uh, we, we do not believe in separation from the world because it, it is morally the high ground. We believe in separation from the world because the Bible says, Wherefore come ye out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. We, we live in a filthy world, yet never are we to look down our nose and say, I'm better than they are. No, wait a minute. That's what happened to the poor fellow uh, in the story of the Good Samaritan as the priest and the Levite passed his way, but the Samaritan stopped and helped. Amen. And this woman listened to Jesus and she went back to the very people that despised her the most. And she said, this is the Christ. Now go down to verse 42. These are the same people, the Samaritans, in verse 40, were come out unto him. And and they said, and said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this indeed is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Can I tell you something about someone who is used of God to tell others about Jesus? 
They're not worried about who gets the credit. You know what they were telling, telling this woman? We, we don't believe in Jesus just because of what you said. We heard him. We know. And you know what she was doing? She was rejoicing. Because our faith needs to help other people find Jesus. We, we need to pray about that. How many of you remember the story of the demoniac of Gadara, the demon-possessed man? He begged Jesus to go into the ship and to travel with Jesus. And what did Jesus tell him? You go home and you tell the people you know about me. And you read your Bible. I, I don't have all the references written down here, but it was a while later. Jesus goes back to that same area and they bring Another person who's deaf and blind and Jesus heals him. And here's what they said about Jesus. He doeth all things well. Wow, what a testimony about Jesus. Amen. And what we need to understand, what we need to grab a hold of, our greatest effort, this is why we support missions in the way we do. This is why... Uh, we, we give to missions as we do. It's why one of the reasons I believe that we should support Heartland as we do. Because they're training men and women for the ministry. And we want to see people go out and win people to the Lord. Yes, we got lots of work to do. And I'm, I'm glad that Philip goes around and cleans up the building, aren't you? Because that means I don't have to go around and clean up the building. Most of the time. No. Uh, he does a good job. And uh, we try to take care of all the business. We're, we, we've done a lot of work over the years on, on the building. And uh, we're going to continue doing that. You know why? Because if we didn't, that million dollars that we spent on missions and were able to give to the missionaries, we would have had to spend to fix our building. We've saved over a million dollars in what, in what it would cost for us to rebuild this building. At Union, we've already passed the million dollar savings mark and we've only been over there for three years, but that's because so much needs to be fixed. And uh, slow go. You pray for Brother Mike. He lives in Millennial Central. Uh, I mean, if you could have been in Greenpoint the day they announced President Trump's election, oh, you could feel it. With a, you could cut the sorrow and despair with a knife. And I want you to be uh, proud of your pastor. I didn't get up on the steps and go, man, I didn't do that. I wanted to so bad. Uh, I just, I'm just sitting there watching these people go, oh, the world has ended. They're all making more money now than they were a year ago. Uh, count your blessings, amen? But that's not the gospel. Trying to get somebody to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only the Holy Spirit of God can do that. But he wants to use you. He wants to use me. And we need to be available. Do you know how we make ourselves available? 
God does not want you stealing time from your employer, all right? Fortunately, that's what my time is for. But uh, the, the rest of you, God doesn't want you stealing time from your boss to pass out tracks in this thing. But you pray. There are people where you work that are hurting. Give them the gospel. Amen? There are people that you're going to run into. There are people that you know. There are people that you're going to meet. Grab a handful of tracks. We'll open that third box if we have to. If we, if we get rid of all four boxes next week, we'll order some more. Uh, we're not afraid of that. But here's what we need to do is we need to pray. Because not a one of us in this room here would want to classify ourselves as foolish, would we? It says, he that winneth souls is what? Wise. If we want to be, if we want to do the best thing we can do for our city, for our country, for our church, for our relationship with God, we need to be out there fishing for men. We need to pray. Tracks are a tool. Listen, all this is is a little paper from my church. It tells you how to be saved. And say, well, uh, 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 what do you think? And they start trying to ask you all those hard questions. Here's the easiest way out in the world. You know, I can't answer all those hard questions. Will you come talk to my pastor? He can answer those questions for you. He'll, he'll, he, he has no problem with that. Use me as an excuse. Come on, don't worry about it. Say, uh, and the the simplest thing is, say, tell tell him what Jesus did for me. I can't answer all your hard questions, but I can tell you what Jesus did in my heart. He saved me from my sin. You see, that's life. Amen? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It is the ultimate expression of your faith in Jesus Christ. It is the work of the church. And what I'm simply going to ask tonight is, would you be willing to say, Lord, I'm asking you to give me an opportunity to share the gospel with at least one person between now and Christmas. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. How many people would just raise a hand? Please, if you're not serious about this, don't don't just lie to make me feel good. That's not what it's about. But how many would lift up a hand and say, Preacher, I'm with you. I'm, I'm praying that God would give me an opportunity to share the gospel with at least one person between now and Christmas. Would you just raise a hand and say, Pastor, I'm, I'm in agreement here. I, I want that to happen in my life. Thank you very much. Heavenly Father, we come before you. You saw the hands that were raised. Now, Lord, we understand that this work can be done with human flesh and human effort. And, Lord... Nothing good will happen if that is the case. 
And so, Lord, each of us, we surrender ourselves to You and ask for opportunities to share the Gospel. We ask that You would remind us to grab a stack of tracks before we leave, no matter where we're going or what we're doing. And, Lord, that You would just help us to be faithful. And, Lord, that You would lead us to divine appointments that we could meet someone whose heart has been prepared by the Holy Spirit, someone who has finally had enough of themselves in their only thought processes that they would be willing to listen to God and what He has done for them. Lord, we ask that You would help us not to be uh, uh, offensive any more than the Gospel is offensive, that we would be careful Lord, that we would take advantage of every opportunity that we have to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask for your grace. We ask for you to increase our faith that we could be more obedient to you. We ask that you would make us those fishers of men and give us the wisdom that we need. Lord, we live in a dead and dying world. And the only life is in the gospel. Help us to see and understand and be used of you in these next few weeks. In your name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, if you want to slip out of your seat, we'll take a moment. The altar's open. You can pray right there at your seat. We'll get into the time of prayer here in just a moment. But.